Call back when you're coherent. The X at 105.9. Joined now in studio by the constructor and conductor of uh, DKPittsburghSports.com. It's Serbri Reactionary Dayon Kovacevic. Dayon, interesting quote from Brian Burke making the rounds. Quote, we have an agreement with ownership, and part of that agreement is to see how much we can help this group win right now, unquote. Do you buy into what he's saying there, or do you think he's saying that for the purposes of cosmetics, and they think, as I do, that this team's window is closed? No, I, I, I go back to the introductory press conference. I mean, it, it, this well, is yeah, what this is. Well, yeah, but they also is... talked about uh, restocking the system. Sure. Too. Hextall was right, adamant but, about that. But, but, Mark, it doesn't have to be black and white. It doesn't have to be either or. I know it's easier that way. Uh, if you if you're just committed to be all in every year the way the Penguins have been for three or four years, that's that's easy because you don't have to think about your direction. So you don't think all in is a description you would apply? Absolutely not. No, okay. I, I think I think that you can do well, this. When Brian in a way, says that, that's the interpretation of some people. Yeah, but it's, it shouldn't be. You know, look, what you can do is you can say, listen, we're going to do this. We're going to do this in a way that we're not trading draft picks. We're going to do this in a way that we're not trading the two or three or four maximum prospects that we have in the entire system. I mean, really, that's not being – I'm not – Oh, no, three, I, three tops. I, I think – And I that think, includes POJ. Yeah, right. I think if you put POJ in there and you put uh, Samuel Pullen and Nathan Legere in it. there – That's the list. You might be done. You might be done. Uh, that's not really setting – that much of a of a of a hindrance onto yourself. Oh, it's no, no, just no, not. No, no, no. I mean, but what they would have to do then is they could trade from their surplus at left defense. Yes, and they would have to get excellent return though, because you could restock your system uh, by trading a, a, not a Pedersen so much, but if you went off the board and traded Dumoulin, which I, I don't think is out no. of the question. Not likely during the season. No, no, during the season, there's no chance of that. Because what ends up happening, Mark, you, you take Dumoulin out and you basically unplug the controller that, for Latang. That's, right. that's right. Okay, Latang becomes a lesser player. You unplug the whole player. team emotionally. You, you just because don't, then you're intense, apparent. But then again, and and Dumo's a bigger and oh, louder great. voice. Played great. Play no, no, no. Great. But I don't just mean how he's playing. He's a bigger and louder voice in that locker room than what I think most people realize. I don't think they have many big and loud voices in that room. He's he's in one of general, them. He, he's 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 one of them, and and he's he's uh, he's not going to be the guy that goes. But here, this is where this gets kind of confusing. Listen, if Marcus Pedersen, you're you're right. You do want to get value back, and you do want to have it be value that resonates. And you might get more value in the off season in a deal like that right. because in the off season, then how you you're not limited who you can trade. With. Right. How are you helping this team? What are you getting? I don't know. What if it's Eric Stahl for Marcus Pedersen? What do you no, think? no way. Why? Don't because, say because he's with Buffalo. Well, no, I just don't. Well, I don't think Eric Stahl's good enough anymore. I think he's 36. I don't think he's fast enough to play the way they prefer to play anymore. And I think you could get more than that for Marcus Pedersen if you wait till the offseason to make the deal. You could get you could get draft picks, a prospect. You could get decent return. Yeah. I, I still think that you have... You have to move in order to get somebody. I just somebody. don't think Eric Stahl's a good fit. If, no. if, you, you, if you came up with a better fit for Marcus Pedersen, I wouldn't dismiss yeah, it easily. But my, you know, my thing with Stahl is you know, he doesn't have to be first in on the forecheck. Uh, he's played with Jason Zucker, and they were effective together in Minnesota. That's in 2017. Okay, but they played together. They have time together. That's a pretty. Well, nice... you and Recky were great back in '91. <laughs> That's a nice coincidence, is what I'm saying. Look, I hear what you're saying about Stahl's age. I'm saying that if you put a couple of fast wingers, skilled wingers, 
out there for him. His speed is neutralized. You also now have a center who can win faceoffs, who can take care of the yeah. defensive zone, who you can I trust you. in the work ethic. I'm just ethic. not trading Pedersen for him. Yeah, but you're, not enough I think you're focused on the if, trade itself as opposed me, to the impact on the if team. If you gave me Petter, well, but you got to think of the trade itself because if you think the window's closed, which is what I believe, mm-hmm. if I got stalled on a prospect, but Buffalo ain't going to trade a prospect. No, no, no. You're not You're not going to get that. I think that your ideal circumstance is that Buffalo would trade stall and maybe keep some of his salary. Now, uh, who else can score for this team besides... Crosby, Gensel, Rust, and Kapanen. Because I don't think anybody can. And I think McCann can if he's out there with Malkin. I think Tanev can, but he's hurt. I I just think they're, they're secondary scoring options. Even the guys with their remote chance are so limited. Yeah, it's, it's not a deep team in terms of scoring. And that's another reason why I'm in favor of, in lieu of, Going out and finding pluggers to build a fourth line. I'm tired of tired of watching that. We off the waiver wire. Yeah, I, I mean, want, not in any other fashion. Then again, it's tough to it's tough to move guys around with COVID. But I want to get. I, I'd rather build a third line that has at least a prayer of scoring some goals. And that's again where I come back to Eric Stahl. Well, I think when guys are healthy, you have that. You might. I mean, if you're going to trust Eric, you know, Evan Rodriguez. Over, you're going way overboard on Eric Stahl. Okay, that's fine. I'm just throwing this him out. This ain't that Eric Stahl. Okay, this is Eric Stahl in giant quotation marks, meaning someone like that who can be a third-line center. I think center. Teddy Bluger's a okay. very good third-line center. Well, I think that should be the fourth line. And you didn't mention Teddy in terms of who, who are people who can score. Yeah, but that's not Teddy really can the score. fourth line. But I think it should be. I think they should be like the Islanders' fourth line, the Casey Sezikis line. The Islanders' fourth line, they play almost as much as the second line. I know, but they more call than the them the fourth line. line well, they and they call them, them whatever they want. Energy guys, that's what you want. That's what you want out of the Bluger line. Get yourself a third scoring line somehow with Zucker on it, with, I don't know, Anthony Angelo, uh, Evan Rodriguez maybe on the right side, and get yourself a centerman. Well, I'm curious to see, and I assume he's playing tonight because he's been caught up from the taxi squad, this mm-hmm. Redeem Zahoma. Mm-hmm. And I've got to tell you, I've never seen him play. I've not looked into him. I just know he's not Mark Jankowski. <laughs> he's not Jankowski. Good for him, too. He's Kid, you're off to a flying start. Uh, he's he's six foot six. He can move way faster than you would think someone that size can move. He's got some skill. Uh, he actually doesn't look like he's six feet six by the way he skates, which is a, which is a good thing. Uh, look, I after watching Jankowski this whole season, uh, I'm ready to take people well, off and, the street. And, and not just him. No, Se- no, it's Colton, Se- Colton Sevier. Yeah, he's terrible. Well. Uh, and they're, uh, they're like Frederick Gaudreau. I don't know how he ever played for Nashville in the playoffs a few years ago. Uh, I think he's rotten. Although I will say this, he from, had a nice game the other day. That's not fair. And, well, you know what? I will say this yeah. for him. He is trying to elevate to make the most of this chance. Oh, yeah. I don't see that from from the guys like Sefiel no, and, and Jankowski. Jankowski is a complete passenger. And what I've heard, Mark, from the inside is that the Penguins people are just livid with him because Why? they because they know they saw what he did in Philadelphia in the season opening series. He was flying all over the rink. He was creating. Why are they pissed? I mean, they feel he's in the tank. Oh, yeah, completely. Really? Why would he be in the tank? Not everybody's motivated. Calgary felt the same way about him, Mark. He got scratched from the playoffs last summer, and the and the Flames put uh, Milan Lucic out at center in his place. Lucic Ooh. isn't even a center. <laughs> you know? They put Zach Ronaldo out in his place in another game. We're talking to DK. He's brought to you by your neighborhood Ford stores. I do want to talk a little Steelers. What's your take on the Claypool incident, and what do you think the fallout will be? 
from that with both the team and league. There's a common sense thing that should kick in when you're in those situations and you're in the National Football League. You're not just another guy who's you're there. You're someone of any prominence and, and wealth, quite frankly. It, if, if you think that it can come back to bite you or your business or whatever, and that applies to me and you and anybody else, you just say, you know what? I'm out on this one, unless it's like my family member or they're doing it to my, you know, whatever it was that triggered this whole incident. And it sounds like it was a pretty valiant cause. I mean, I think you'll agree with me on that. Like, whatever this guy did who was getting it, he had it coming. Yeah, I don't know if anything justifies kicking a defenseless guy in the head. Well, if it's my family, I'll be kicking a defenseless guy in the head. I don't think it was his family. I I don't think it was either. That's my point. You you just got to avoid that. Avoid it. But my complaint is... I just don't think the Steelers will do anything. I don't even think he'll get a stern talking to. Well, I don't know that it's – I mean, the Steelers, I, this this one's going to be a league issue. But the Steelers need to make him feel that that can't happen. And there was a time the Steelers at least tried to do that, and I'm yeah. not sure they do anymore. I mean, looking at what happened in this specific incident and laying that retroactively on the Steelers is a reach. Now, should the Steelers react oh, to it? Oh, I don't know about that. I think there's a laissez-faire culture there that makes guys feel it's no big deal if they get into trouble because nobody ever ever calls them on it. Okay. Who else has gotten in trouble lately? I don't know. How many? T- I mean, this isn't the same. I mean, as- you're going to go way back here now? No, no, what? I'm not. This is Antonio? I mean, this who else has gotten in trouble? This isn't the same as kicking a guy in the head, but hmm. I mean, how, how much dumbness did Juju have to do before they told him not to do it anymore? I mean, he didn't do anything like this. This, this is, this is, no, this is, but but there's a cumulative effect. Th- there is. A- believe me, believe me. I I coached talking long enough to know, and I know it's just friggin' deck hockey. People say, "Shut up, fat ass." But there's when you when you run a team, stupidity has a cumulative effect. Yeah, it does. But when you're talking about what is it, one or two out of fifty-three, which is what we've been singling out here for quite a long time, including when it was AB and Lev, I'm not ready to declare this some broader Steelers well, I, thing. I am because they've won you're three playoff have, games. You're going to have years. outliers. There are thirty-two NFL teams that have these outliers well, and have these situations. You just don't want to look at the big picture. You don't want to look at them having. Again, and I say it all the time, they've won three playoff games in 10 years. Despite talent that dictates, they should have done much better. Now, I'm not saying the culture's the only reason, but, I'm, but I absolutely feel it's a factor. Yeah, I'm, I'm more in, inclined to look at, at the coordinators and scheming of and that sort are. of thing. I mean, I just am. Because you're Pittsburgh. <laughs> Whatever I am, I'm just you're, telling you what I think. You're right. I think if they had gotten rid of the coordinators quicker, mm-hmm. then Claypool would not have kicked the guy in the head. No, I don't know that anybody would have kicked anybody in the head, but I think they could have won a few more games along the way. Eh, I, I blame the culture. I, I think that's the common denominator over the last 10 years. Coordinators come and go, and that culture is effed up. I don't up. think now, they, they come and go often enough. Now, okay. now forget, forgetting about the culture, mm-hmm. what's your take on the way they've managed their offseason? Because I, I don't like oh. the roster right now. No, how could you? I mean, all you have to do, Mark, forget everything else and just look at the defense. And you're looking at five regulars gone from what I felt, I felt was the most dynamic defense, even if they weren't necessarily there with total yards. When I say dynamic, I'm talking about going after the football. They, they made plays. They made plays. And they still they, got most of their playmakers except for the one except, guy. Except Bud. Except yeah. for Bud. But, but nonetheless. Well, you know, Mike Hilton was a playmaker. Yeah, in his own way. In his own in, way. In a weird, funky, mm-hmm. hybrid position. Unpredictable way. Yeah. Which... No, no and, and, and I think Cam Sutton's a good player. But now Justin Lane has to play. Justin Lane has to be your right outside corner because you're not getting one from the outside. Uh, you're Well, the and... way it's been described to me is that Sutton would start there, and then when they go to nickel, Sutton moves inside and Lane plays outside. 
Yeah, I mean that's possible. I mean, I'm well, sure. Your own guy I, told I'm, me that. Sure, no, no, no. I'm just saying. I, I'm saying. Well, it's it's possible. They're the ones that have to figure that well, out. Right between, now, it's probably between now at, and when you kickoff. Look at the composition of the team, but, uh, but well, the but challenge there for Sutton is: can he do some of those wild card things? I don't know. That Hilton I don't know about did. that. He's and more of a cover guy. And don't forget too, when you're talking about pressure, and that's what we're talking about with Hilton and his wild card things. You're you're talking about two other guys that executed that pressure on a consistent basis and didn't get anywhere near enough credit for it. Tyson Alulu was in the backfield way more than people realized. No question. Vince Williams was as effective at getting to the ins and to the prat. It's uh, there's no and this. It's a number. I he's got he, sacks. I think, I think he's a lot more replaceable than than a lot of the guys they let go. But, but this they, facet is what I'm talking about, Mark. They pressured the quarterback. Well, those guys were all glue guys, not just TJ. They kept their playmakers, but you need the glue too. Yes. The glue keeps the thing assembled. Well, Vinny was huge in that regard. Vinny. Now, uh, his name. Uh, his name's Vince. Please keep up. Now, uh. You had an interesting column about how, in a weird way, keeping Juju was a priority for them. Mm -hmm. And I agreed with it, but it is weird how it came together. And I think there are any a number of guys on defense they, they should have kept instead of him. And I understand that they diluted Juju's cap hit. Mm -hmm. They could have diluted Mike Hilton's cap hit, well, too. Well, in, in my column today... Voidable years aren't just for Juju. In, in, my, in my column today, which supported a lot of what you've been saying... Uh, in general, about what happened to him in free agency, I found out from a source that when he went out to the outside, what scared other teams off was his knee. He went out there, and they realized that, and they found out, because in the, in the NFL, Mark, there are no secrets. They found out that he was having it drained every Friday, that he was missing practices, and they felt in watching him that he had lost some steps. Now, if you think about the juju from his rookie year to what you just saw in 2020, they weren't close. Juju was pulling well, away from a, a, guys. AB's not here anymore either. And you don't think the distraction thing scared teams away a little bit? I have no idea about that. I'm telling you what I did here. What I did here was that this was a, this was a physical issue, and as a result, Juju felt like if he sticks around here, as opposed to the whole yippee Pittsburgh thing, if he sticks around here, he has doctors and trainers that he knows that he can trust and will do right by him you, here. You, you, but it wasn't about... Oh, here's Kansas City offering me $13 million uh, and I'm going to go back to I, I Pittsburgh. Don't, I don't believe he None got, of that's none, it, it, because it he, didn't happen. Right, he didn't get any. I, I think his agents did. I think Pittsburgh's the only significant offer yeah, he got. His agent did communicate with other teams. That did happen, but that happens all the time. Of course he did. And I dealt myself with agents who build these things up because that's part of what they do. Uh, but what ended up happening here, from everything that I heard and, and reported today, it was a result of the knee, principally. I think that that could have had an effect. But I, I think I think when you have a free agent like that who loses the kind of value he expected and gets a one-year deal for $8 million, I think everything we've talked about factored it's in. It's possible, but I because, haven't heard because that. Because that is a, a huge collapse. It, I mean, it's fair to say... That his free agency failed miserably, correct? Well, I mean, just look at the comparables. I mean, that's not even an opinion you're stating there. Look at the comparables, meaning the other wide receivers. Right. I mean, this Plus, is something... you know what? The, the narrative's out there <clears throat> that, that the wide receivers didn't get paid in this free mm -hmm. agency. Five or six really no, did. No, 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 I did. And I asked, one of the things that I asked my source when, I, when we were discussing this was, how, is, how does this happen where NFL teams just find this stuff out? He goes, man, he goes, NFL teams know Everything yeah, they know, oh, everything sure. about everybody. There are no secrets. Now, real, real quick, uh, and this is a cliche question, but what should their draft priority be? Because 
I think they're between a rock and a hard place. I think they desperately need quality on the offensive line. I think their offensive line right now stinks. But I think if they get a tackle in the first round and Benny Snell's in the backfield, I just don't think Ben Hand snelled that ball. Yeah, the offensive line doesn't I, – I don't agree that it stinks from the potential standpoint. It might stink in games one through four. And I think that's where that'll be. That'll do enough damage. Let's if ben even gets say hurt. that's a best case scenario. Yeah. Uh, you're right. Ben could get hurt, and yeah. they can't dig a hole with this team. That's, they just can't. That's awfully rough. Yeah. Um, no, I'm I'm one billion percent in on running. So back. So what would you draft? Running, running back? back? Yeah. Oh yeah. And I'm looking at Najee Harris, and everybody says, "Oh, he looks like a Steeler type running back." I'm so tired of hearing that. And not everybody has to be Jerome Bettis who puts on a Pittsburgh uniform. Of course, of course okay. they do. And- but but Travis Etienne is the guy that I look at, and I go. He can make everything happen. Oh, I'd out take there. him. I'd take him or Najee Harris. There's either one other guy. What's the North Carolina guy's the, name? The way the way Ben releases the ball, uh, and, and and when he was doing that really, really effectively, brilliantly with Le'Veon Bell, that's the guy that I want. I want Ben to have another weapon out there to be able to hit somebody and make big plays in other ways. Javante Williams. I'd yeah, take him too. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, you can't have both of them. <laughs> Why not? Let's like Franco and Rocky. Well, that's what the that's what the I, that's what the Pirates would love in the next draft. Take both of those uh, guys. And with with the Pirate mention, we're done. There you go. I did it. That's Dejan. I'm Mark Madden. <laughs> uh, call now to ask Mark anything. Don't forget we have the Hockey Night show after that. But call now to ask Mark anything. Four one two three 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 WXDX.